Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And uh, that's exactly what we're going to do today. Um, it's actually been a little while since we covered an old game. There's frankly been a lot going on with UConn, and uh, frankly, there is a lot going on with UConn. Um, but uh, joining me today will be Chris Smith, the all-time leading scorer in UConn men's basketball history. He's joining us for the second time, and I'm really excited to have him back. Uh, and today we're going to be uh, talking about the first UConn game ever played at Gamble Pavilion. Uh, back in 1990, uh, UConn hosted St. John's in the uh, first game ever played uh, at Gamble. It was, uh, you know, obviously a huge, uh, a huge win for the program, a huge, uh, you know, just a huge moment for the program, and it came at the right at the moment where the program was really taking off. Uh, the 1990 season, obviously, uh, you know, known as the dream season now, was, uh, you know, the, the breakthrough that UConn had been waiting for. Uh, it was the year the program won its first Big East championship. Uh, the team made it all the way to the Elite Eight. Just a, a really awesome year, and this was really one of the the big moments. So um, before we get to our conversation with Chris, uh, I, I feel like I should probably just mention uh, that we recorded our episode on Friday, and at the time we were still uh, planning on UConn playing uh, NC State um, the following day on Saturday. And uh, needless to say, uh, quite a lot has happened since then. Um, that game did not get played uh, because of a COVID outbreak in the NC State program. And uh, now word is that UConn is also dealing with COVID once again and is putting on uh, putting a pause on the uh, on the season for now. And as a result, the game this weekend uh, against St. John's, the which was the inspiration to do this episode in the first place, has also been postponed. So that's a real bummer. Um, you know, and frankly, there isn't really a lot else to say except that, you know, just for now, we're hopeful that everybody who is uh, dealing with the virus, uh, you know, obviously within the program and, you know, anybody else who, you know, out there who's dealing with it, that uh, everybody's okay and that everything works out. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously just have to see how things go in the next couple days. Uh, it's obviously a huge bummer. I was very much looking forward to seeing UConn play St. John's this week, but you know what? It is what it is, and this is just how it's going to go. So uh, just bear in mind that uh, during the course of our conversation, um, we did not know any of this was going to necessarily be the case. Uh, luckily, most of what we talked about was focused on the 1990 game. Uh, there was a, a brief point at the end where we talk a little bit about the present, and uh, Chris offers his analysis on the first three games of the year, which it turns out it wound up holding up well, because that is, at this point, still the only three games we've got. Um, and yeah, so that's just how it, that's just where we're at right now. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, the next time that we, uh, you know, next week, hopefully we'll have some, some better, uh, you know, we'll have some better news and a better update there. Anyway, uh, so that's, you know, I just figured I just wanted to kind of get a, get that out there. Um, and yeah, just as far as UConn goes, um, you know, so far so good with the, the results on the court. You know, 3-0 and is not a bad place to be. And, uh, you know, hopefully the team will have an opportunity to improve on that soon. So uh, anyway, uh, without further ado, uh, here is Chris Smith in our conversation on the uh, first game at Gamble Pavilion. And uh, yeah, hope you all enjoy. Let's uh, let's let's do it. All right, and joining me now for the second time is Chris Smith, the uh, all-time leading scorer in UConn men's basketball history and a member of the 1990 Dream Season. Chris, how's it going? It's going great. Going as good as it can with this uh, COVID situation. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. So, yeah, so, you know, I, I appreciate your coming back on. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, we are going to talk about the uh, opening night of Gamble Pavilion in um, 1990, uh, back in January against St. John's. And, uh, you know, I felt like this was a great time to do it because in about a, you know, we're recording this on Friday, uh, the uh, the 4th. So in a little, in about a week, roughly, UConn is going to begin its new Big East journey officially uh, in much the same fashion with St. John's at Gamble Pavilion. And, um, you know, kind of, I guess we'll say the kind of a full circle moment for the program. So, you know, just, I guess just, uh, you know, just as a good place to start, you know, this was, a, you know, this game we're going to talk about against St. John's was a, obviously a huge, huge deal for the program. It was a huge deal for your team. What was it like to be a part of that, uh, that moment in UConn history? Oh, it was so exciting, you know, as, as you know, my freshman year with uh, Cliff Robinson and all those guys and Willie Glass and uh, Tate George and, uh, you know, we played most of our games at Hartford and, uh, you know, just to have our own place on campus and allow the students to come on campus and you could just, you could just feel the energy even when we, before we got into Gamble, people were waiting outside to get into Gamble Pavilion and you could just feel the energy. The kids were excited. Uh, it was a lot of energy. And it was a game that we had to win because St. John's, before that game, beat us by, uh, I think, almost 36 points. So uh, that was a big turning point for UConn and a turning point for uh, uh, for us as well. So it was, it, was, it was for the basketball team. So it was an exciting game. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm glad you, you brought up the last game against St. John's because uh, – I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up because um, St. John's, you know, for for people who, you know, for the fans now, St. John's isn't really, you know, necessarily like, you know, the name St. John doesn't really evoke fear. But back in like the '80s, they were just uh, one of the powers, like one of the top teams in the country, and just really had UConn's number. I think I, I got it right here. The Huskies were two and nineteen against St. John's. Uh, in the Big East since, uh, you know, over the last, I guess, what, the last, like, 10 or 11 years before before this game. And, uh, yeah, the game that you guys played, it, was, it wasn't that long before, like, maybe two or three weeks earlier. Yeah, I think it was the worst loss for UConn and under Jim Calhoun up to that point. And uh, just, yeah, not a good time. Uh, I think the final score was, like, 93 to 62. So, um, but you guys, other than that, had been great. Uh, you guys were 16-3, and three, uh, riding a six-game win streak that included wins over top five-ranked Syracuse and Georgetown. So, you know, what was it like for you guys? Uh, you know, obviously, you guys must have been re- really feeling yourselves after those Syracuse and Georgetown games. But, you know, re- just considering how badly the game against St. John's had gone, you know, what was your, your the team's mindset uh, knowing that you guys were going to get another shot at those guys? Just giving us that energy 
just lifted us up. And I can remember Nadav Hennefeld, uh, you know, he was, he was had active hands, and Scott Burrell came in as a freshman and played well. Uh, you know, John Gwynn came in and gave us a couple points. Lyman DePriest always, uh, you know, was playing defense and rebounding along with Rod Sellers. So, you know, we put a uh, – Tate George had an excellent game that game as well. So, you know, that helped us uplift the team that game. With this one, so with this uh, this game, obviously, before you guys opened in Gamble, you guys had been playing your, your Big East games in Hartford and some of the other games at the Fieldhouse. So you guys surely knew that, you know, the Gamble Pavilion was under construction for a while beforehand. So yeah. when you guys, you know, describe to me the experience of playing in the Fieldhouse, for instance, knowing <laughs> that it's coming. You have this great you know this new facility is being built like right down the street yeah. how is it how is it for you guys i guess to the the <laughs> i will say that the sense of being like oh well this you know this is kind of weird but like it's gonna be awesome soon what was it like for you guys there oh we we hated the field house i mean we hated it it was always cold in there and they had birds flying around up top uh you know we, the lighting wasn't the best uh, you know, so when it was time for the gamble to be ready and it was being built, we were so ready to go into the gamble pavilion, and that's probably why we won that game as well because we were we we didn't we didn't like playing at the field house. Uh, you know, we, it just it just didn't represent uh, uh, UConn to us. We felt like we were an elite team. We felt like we had really good players on our team, and we needed to have our own space and our own home and uh, gamble pavilion provided that for us yeah no absolutely well what was that week of practice like uh knowing that you you have the big game against st john's you're coming off the georgetown win um i yeah so just uh it must have been it must have been a wild week what was what was that week like for you guys as you're getting ready for uh for prime time well every week is wild when you talk to my coach Calhoun. you know coach pushes you no matter what uh win or lose but that week particularly, he really wanted to win that game. I mean, this is a team that beat us over, you know, by 30-something points. You know, he did not want that to happen again. And he made sure, and all the coaching staff made sure that we were totally prepared and totally ready, ready for that game. And, uh, you know, their best player was Malik Seely, and that's the guy we really wanted to stop uh, inside Robert Wardan and also Pooh Harvey on the outside. Uh, they had a really good team. But, we, you know, we played a 1-2-3 uh, pressing zone, a 2-2-1 two, two, pressing zone. We played zone, and we tried to really just try to stop the inside and have those guys uh, shoot a lot of jump shots. Oh, no, absolutely. And then, of course, the, the moment comes and, you know, you guys uh, get out there for the for warm ups for the first time. It's a you know, it's a scene that's pretty familiar to anybody who's affiliated with UConn now. I mean, the one of the things I was struck by when I was watching the game, um, it just it, it it's all the same. Like it's all like nothing's changed in the last 30 years as far as the energy, what the building sounds like, just the whole like the whole rhythm of the game. But at that moment, it was all brand new. What was it like to step onto the court for the first time? It was it was magical, totally magical. Uh, you know, just to hear the fans. We played at Hartford a lot, and Hartford usually have business people there. It's really not as loud. So when we got to the Gamper Pavilion, it, it sounded like it was just an audio, like you had you were at a concert. It was loud. People were screaming. The kids had. Uh, face paint on and it was just a, a wonderful scene that really helped us to uh, 
push us over the edge with uh, St. John's. No, you could tell too. The, the the energy in there was really something else. Uh, I have a question. This is, uh, I guess, just a product of my age, but um, the, uh, the the tradition that exists to this day, where when fans are, you know, fans stand up until the first basket scored, was that something that happened at, in Hartford and at the Fieldhouse, or was that a tradition that basically just started that night in Gamble? No, that was a tra- tradition even at Hartford. Uh, I think it started at Hartford before I even got there because I remember going to a game and uh, they, they used to stand up before they uh, uh, made a basket. Once they made one, then they sat down. So I think that was a tradition. All right, good to know then. Yeah, because that was there was uh, one of the broadcasters commented on that, and I was like, "Geez, like, is that the first time?" But yeah, it makes sense that it wouldn't have been. But yeah. even still, so yeah, so this game, um, really good game. Uh, you know, honestly, like, uh, you know, I rewatch these games sometimes, and sometimes I'm surprised by how. Uh, not, well, let's just say that like not, they're not always the most well played games. This yeah. one certainly was. Like, it was close too. Like, I, I think I don't know how I think. It was like a six-point game max with either team ahead up until like what maybe the last like eight minutes or something. You guys yeah, finally took yeah. the lead for good. You know, it was yeah. it was a it was back and forth, and you know, obviously considering how one-sided the last game was, you know, you guys it was surely I don't know. There's a whole cauldron of emotions for sure. So, um, what do you remember about the game specifically? Anything like you know stand out when you look back and just like oh yeah, like you know first thing I think about at the St. John's game at Gamble. What was that? I just our defense. I think uh, you know we were known for our defense, but our pressure. I just remember that one, two, one, uh, three, one half court zone uh, uh, press we had, and uh, we made sure that they lobbed the ball over our heads. And our defense, the Dove Hennefield Arms was very active. Scotty was active. Ross Sellers was active. Lyman the Priest. And uh, just, I just remember that just being, uh, you know, even the announcers uh, were, were saying how active we were on defense and uh, how quick we were. And uh, I think that's what pulled us over is just, you know, we really wanted the game more than they did. Yeah, no, you know, and I mean, you you, de- you could definitely see the way the fans kind of had an impact on you. The, yeah. the, um, in, in both ways, I should say, positively and negatively, possibly. The first five, like five or six minutes of the game were were interesting. Um, it was kind of, you guys, it took a little bit of time for you guys to get your offensive rhythm. Uh, but, you know, as far as like the, the defense was there from the start. Uh, so the, kind of the, the, the opening uh, kind of sequence was, uh, you know, Robert Dan, uh, their, their big man. He breaks the ice with the first. So the tri- trivia, the first basket ever scored at Gamble Pavilion was Rob Wardan from St. John's. <laughs> Rod Sellers was the first UConn player. He answered with a two. And um, yeah, then it was uh, Malik Seeley. Uh, he kind of does most of the rest of the damage for St. John's. Uh, they open up uh, eventually a six, a 13 to six lead. Uh, Boo Harvey has a couple. Uh, he hits a three to kind of make it a, with, I guess that would have been a seven point lead. And, you know, at that point it's like, uh oh, like, you know, St. John's is really good. You guys hadn't you know, quite established yourself as like yeah. a power yet. You were like, I mean, I don't know, I guess unless you count the Georgetown game, like right before, yeah. you know, it's still like, it's not, not quite like established yet. Sure. Yes, so exactly. you guys at that moment, you know, Calhoun's probably, rip, you know, telling you guys, Hey, you know, score some baskets or something. What, yeah. When you guys at that moment, you know, five minutes, six minutes in, how are you guys, uh, you know, set, you're settled in now. How, how are you approaching what you got to do next? Well, we were definitely, 
definitely keeping our heads up because uh, you got to realize they were playing a zone defense on us as well. And, with, and what a zone defense does is make you move the ball around and try to get the best shot. And I remember I had a couple shots that didn't go down. And Dove NFL had a couple shots that get, didn't go down. Uh, even Tate George had a couple shots that didn't go down. So we, we, we just kept our heads up and said, these, these are shots that we normally take. I remember we brought in John Quinn, and I think he hit a couple shots, and uh, that kind of got us going a little bit. But we just felt like we just needed to keep taking the shots that we were taking and uh, get the open looks. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, John Gwynn, we'll, we'll talk about him in a, a lot more detail later because he's a huge par- part of the second half. Uh, you guys have a 10 nothing run after, uh, you know, the falling behind. So you guys take the lead 16-13. Uh, to 13. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, it was just, a, you know, contributions from everyone. One of the things that struck me is that St. John's was making almost all their shots, but they were also turning the ball over almost every possession. So, you know, just, to, you know, you mentioned the press. It, it was like striking to me watching it i was just like man this is like the like the best and also the worst defense i've ever seen they're like they're hitting everything and also like you know half the time they're just it's going the other way um why do you think you know you guys obviously got the got you know started forcing misses you know most of the rest of the way what do you think was it about uh st john's at that point that just you know they're a good team who can make shots but what was the problem at that point where they were just kind of just hitting everything you know what they they were a good team you know they had pros on their team. You know, you talking about Boo Harvey, uh, a prolific point guard from New York. Uh, Malik Zilli, obviously first rounder. Uh, Rob Bourdain, uh, professional, you know, pro player. They just had players that could make plays and hit shots. Chucky Brown came in. Uh, I don't think he started that game, but he came in and uh, played good defense and could really uh, hit some shots. So you know, St. John's was a, pretty much the powerhouse back then, and uh, they they really could. They, they moved the ball around. Uh, Buchanan was a really good freshman point guard, or, and, and they just played well together. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, it showed the rest of the way. It was close. Uh, pretty much a two-point or four-point game the entire rest yeah. of the half. Now, um, you have a couple of big moments uh, right at the end of the half, though. Uh, so you know, at that, I think with like two minutes left or three minutes left or something like that, St. John's opens up a six-point lead again. So they pull ahead uh, 30 to 26. Uh, Sealy gets a steal, hits Buchanan for two. You know, um, Calhoun is just furious at you guys. And then the sequence right after here, I'm sure you probably remember it just like yesterday. Chris Smith for three. Chris Smith for three. And then... Uh, Chris Smith for three at the buzzer. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty awesome. <laughs> and then I actually, there's one and one more. I almost forgot. You also hit uh, Scott uh, Burrell for a huge alley-oop to tie the game during that yeah. sequence too. So, you know, this is like one of the first, like blow the roof off. Actually, it is literally the first blow the roof off Gamble moment. And, uh, you know, you're right at the center of it. Walk me through that sequence and kind of what the emotions were like. Oh, the emotions were crazy, and that's that. You know, my thing was I always got the three point shot, and you know when you make the three point shot in Hartford, they go crazy, but not like at the Gamble Pavilion. I mean, it just uplifted us when I hit that first three. You know, the place just went crazy, and you know just that sequence. And I, you know, I, Scotty's a, a a good athlete. 
and you can just really throw it up there, and Scotty will go grab it, and uh, he could pretty much finish it. But uh, the, you know, we needed those plays, and then when I hit those two threes like that, uh, you know, that just uplifted our team. And they looked for me to do that. I was only a sophomore, but they looked for me, especially coach. He looked for me to score, and that was my opportunity because I didn't play well uh, the first seven, eight minutes of the game. I started getting uh, my looks a little bit later, but uh, once they started going down, that definitely uplifted the team yeah no definitely i think you so you finished uh, with uh, 15 points at halftime uh, which was the yeah. uh, team lead uh, malik seely um he was all over, he was you know doing work for sure uh and yeah so then just like overall st john's they finished the half uh, sh- shooting 50 percent from the field you guys finished 41.9 so you know you know pretty good overall for both teams um yeah, so Malik Seal, he had 12 points. I got uh, Jason Williams, who was you know one of their better players too. He was only held to just four. So um, here's something that I, I I guess kind of caught me off guard. Back in this season, you guys were playing with six fouls instead of five, like they do now, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't realize that at the time because something happened that I was very confused by. Tate George had three fouls and just kept playing in the first half, which would <laughs> yeah. never happen today. Cal- yeah, Jim- it wouldn't happen today. Calhoun was like notorious for pulling guys with, you know, with two fouls in the first half. So in the very first play in the second half, he immediately gets called for his fourth foul and he just stayed in the game. And I'm just like, what on, like what, what, what's happening right now? Like (laughs) I was so confused. Um, You know, so, you know, despite that, you got, I think there was a a couple of guys in the game who had some foul trouble, but it it, it didn't really amount to much. You guys, I don't think anybody fouled out. So it was, it was, it wound up being fine. Um, Anyway, so halftime, obviously, you know, it's a it's quite a finish to the first half. Did Jim say, did Calhoun say anything to you guys at half in particular? Or was it just basically like, all right, well, that was cool. I guess just do these things better. What was what was the, the vibe like at halftime? No, halftime coach is always coming in yelling and screaming. Uh, it, we could be up by 20 points and coaches. He will look, he will, he will point out the things that you did wrong. Uh, you know, coach always wanted us to play with energy. So at halftime, he always came in, he always yelled, he said, you got to be active, you got to play with energy. And if you see him on the sidelines, if you watch that game, when we're on defense, you can see him with his hands up as well. You know, it's like we had a six-man out there, because <laughs> Coach would have his hands up, telling us to put our hands up. And he just wanted us, because he knew we were long, we were six. You know, Tate George was 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six. I'm 6'2", six, and the rest of the guys are 6'7", on up. So we were a big team. He just wanted us to be active, and that was the main thing he wanted us to be, uh, especially at halftime. He said, he, we could win this game if we just continue to play defense and be active. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it uh, it wound up playing out that way. Uh, first 10 minutes of the second half were more or less the same as the you know the, the first half. It was still stayed close, uh, you know, two, three-point game, kind of a whole bunch of lead changes and ties. And then um, Cerul- Dan Cerulek, yeah. just a, a monster in the second half yeah. I've never so I've, I've watched a couple of games from the dream season and this is like the first you know so you know everybody I've talked to kind of from this era always talks him up and you know the games I've seen he's like okay I mean he's he's a perfectly nice player this game he turned into Larry Bird he was hitting everything <laughs> uh, you know we saw that in practice there's the rule of 15 and in around the foul line, he can knock it down all the time. And those are the shots that he can make. He just didn't really have a lot of opportunities to do it. But this game, he really did. He played well. But we saw it. We knew he could do it. We knew he had it in him because in practice, that's what Dan would do. He'd pump fake, 
15 footer and knock it down. And that's what he was doing against St. John. It was crazy. He was like doing spin moves and just like, and, yeah. oh, by the way, on defense too, had, had some great rebounds. He also, yeah. at one point, uh, a key play in the game, he saves the ball going out of bounds and, uh, you know, sparks a fast break to John Gwynn who gave you guys the lead. And that was like kind of the, the spark that ended up, I think it was a, yeah, seven to two UConn run. And that was capped off. St. John's misses like a million second try, uh, second chance tries on their end. And next thing, and then, you know, after you guys finally get the rebound, you know, Gwen gets a, you know, a a basket and draws a foul crowd goes crazy. I I don't think the UCONN chant thing wasn't, I don't think it was happening quite at that point, but that would have been the perfect moment for it. You know, John hits the, uh, the free throw. You guys go ahead five. You know, now you know, this is like okay. It's like here we're we're cooking with gas now. What do you what are you thinking at that point? Oh, whenever John's in the game, we're cooking with gas. You know, he's just one of those guys. And like you said, Dan Shirley, he he came with that energy, uh, saved it, uh, get got it to John. One thing about John, he was great with his body. He was great going left pulling up and he can draw fouls and when John is in the game you know we he was he was like a person that just came in and we were down by five by the time he went out we were up by seven he was just one of those types of players so when John's in the game all confidence is up when uh, he's in the game yeah definitely and they you know and they kept it up after the you know you guys pull ahead five St. John's makes a run they kind of they tie it up again uh, 51-51 was the score at the under eight timeout. And then you guys go on a, I think it was eventually a nine to nothing run. And that was, that was like kind of the dagger where it sort of just was, was over at that point. Um, Nadev Hennefeld, it wasn't his best game, but he, fi- he finished strong. He has a basket. He gets a steal. He had a bunch of steals like he always did. And, uh, I think like the real dagger for sure was, uh, he hits a, Hennefeld gets a, a steal and hits John Gwynn for two in transition. Uh, Gwynn, he had, I think. 11 of his 13 points were in the second half. So yeah. just, uh, oh, and he had the tip in off of a, a Hennefeld missed three too. So that was, yeah. that was good. Um, four minutes to go. You guys like now it's, you guys are really in the driver's seat and something's happened that I, I imagine must've been incredibly frustrating. You guys couldn't hit a free throw <laughs> the whole, the whole last four <laughs> minutes of the game. I think you guys finished like 21 for 36 from the line. And I, I think yeah, that's pretty bad. I'm going to conservatively estimate that you guys missed the front end of about seven one and one and ones. Um, you know, do you, did you have a sense of how, how things in the last four minutes, like, like, okay, like we're, we're, we're good, but like, this is not good. What do you, what are you thinking when the, the free throws keep clanging? Well, you see that, that storyline play over and over again. I just remember playing in high school, uh, you know, being up in the game with a minute left and you get, you get on the line and, uh, you miss the shot, and the team comes back and win the game. So you, you you're always uh, you know a little, a little there's anxiety at that time, and I, I remember having a little anxiety because we missed a lot of free throws at that time. And when you're playing against a team like St. John's that has a, a Malik Silly that can score, a Boo Harvey that can get into the lane, uh, you really want to hit those free throws. I felt like we would win the game, but you know I've been a, that storyline. I've seen it over and over again where it just ended up on the other side. But, you know, luckily, thank God that we won the game. Yeah, so this is where the defense was really crucial because uh, yeah. they St. John's really didn't get that close. And they, yeah. they, they sure, they could have. <laughs> they really, they, yeah. they could have for yeah. sure. Uh, so um, kind of the, I think this wound up really being the key moment, really kind of to, to kneecap St. John's' comeback. Uh, so Boo Harvey, you know, after Gwen missed the front end of a one-and-one, one, Boo Harvey hits a three 
And then they call a timeout, but they didn't have any left. It was like the end of that Fab Five Michigan, you know, title game where they, you know, end up getting hit with a technical foul. You go two for two from the line then. And then uh, I guess, you know, I think Hennefeld winds up at the line right after. He goes one for two. Ten point game again. Now there's only about a minute and a half left. Harvey airballs a three and that was kind of all she wrote. And then weirdly, they like couldn't buy a basket at the line either. I think they missed like five late free throws too. Um, and then, yeah, Dan Cerulek, he hits his last four three, uh, free throws at the, the final 30 seconds, and that was all she wrote. You had, uh, yeah, so, you know, your your two free throws after the technical were really kind of the, you know, after missing a whole bunch, the rest of the team had missed a whole bunch. What are you thinking at the line? You're like, okay, geez, like, I hope this, these misses aren't contagious, or are you just yeah. you just kind of... I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm, I was always confident in my uh, free throw uh, shooting, and, and, and I wasn't the best free throw shooter, but I was pretty consistent and I felt like uh, at that point in time uh, there would be nobody better than that than at the line than myself you know I was trying to establish myself as a leader uh, along with Tate George and uh, and that's what that's that's what coach wanted out of me even my sophomore year he wanted me to be that type of leader that the team could rely on at the end of the game so I was pretty confident in myself no definitely for sure and uh, so with the win uh, you so final score by the way 72 58 so pretty convincing in the end you guys move into a three-way tie for first in the Big East with St. John's and Georgetown and uh, I don't know a couple like about a month and a half later you guys end up winning the title and also the the, the tournament title and um, yeah. obviously made your the, the big run so it was a certainly a big game in a season full of them um, the, we've when the last time we talked I think you mentioned how you uh, you know always watch like you, you have certain games you have recorded is this a game that you have recorded and have you kind of gone back and watched this one at all uh, since it was played? I haven't watched it in a while, but my mother has all the games. And this is, if, if I do watch a game, it'll definitely be this one. Uh, it'll be the Syracuse game when we won the, the, the Big East title. And my mother loves us beating Shaquille O'Neal in the LSU game. So we, if we if, if, on a Christmas or Thanksgiving, if the family's over, she's pulling out the LSU game. The LSU, you know, that's a good one. I, I that, that should be a future podcast. I'll have to have you on back for that. Sha- yeah, no God, problem. playing Shaq, man, what an experience that must have been. Yeah. That's a big oh. dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, so uh, so kind of the, the stats from this game. So you, you finished with 20 points, the three three-pointers. Cerulek, uh, I had him for 13 points and 10 rebounds. John Gwynn, 13 points, 11 in the second half. Uh, Malik Sealy, um, the New York Times write-up I had, I he, they had him for 26 points, but I, I'm actually pretty sure it was 24, so... That's okay. that's me fact checking the New York Times, which is yeah. wild, <laughs> um, you know, and then just like, yeah, obviously just the, you know, the, the game itself was a was a was a barn burner. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I, I have a couple of things written down as far as the uh, the broadcast, but I, I guess you haven't seen it in a while. So I'll get to that in a moment. Just okay. real quick. Anything just on this game stand out to you when you think back, just uh, the sort of thing that wouldn't necessarily be apparent on a rewatch that just part of the experience of playing in the game? I mean, if you really watch this game, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm, a def- I'm a defensive uh, fanatic. Like, I, I watch defense. I think if you watch this game and you watch the way uh, we play defense against a scoring team like St. John's, uh, you could really take away and appreciate the way that uh, we were active and moving around and, uh, uh, you know, having a lot of speed and, and, and deflections. I think we, we probably had 20 to 30 deflections that game. Uh, and if you 
Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I that's I love watching that your team that team specifically because it's like this constant movement. You know, the st- they're constantly poking the ball away. A lot of driving to the hoop. That was something I strike uh, struck me about you, your team and also the '99 championship team. So much just driving to the hoop. Um, something actually I have to say I, I've been pleasantly surprised by this year's team has been playing with a little bit more of that kind of. Uh, uh, aggressiveness too which is uh yeah, something exactly. that we haven't seen uh, well it's not really something you see in basketball in general as much these days compared but like this year's yeah. team in particular they're they're trying to get to the rim more so something yeah, I, that's a, yeah and that's a tribute to the coach because i watched the usc game last night and you're right they were active they were moving around they were up in people's faces you know pressing and uh to win a game like that because usc you know they have those two twin brothers uh that are probably go pro next year they got a pretty good team and and to watch those guys defeat the usc team and with the active with the defense it kind of reminded uh of, of our team back in the day so i really appreciated watching them last night it was yeah that game was fun nerve-wracking at the end for sure they they <laughs> forgot how to score down the stretch but i mean it's the type of game that they lost last year and i mean coach yeah. hurley said as much after the fact how, yeah, so while I got you, so just, you know, for the record, for those listening, um, we're, we're, the NC State game is being played tomorrow. By the time yeah. you'll hear this, you guys will have all, the game will have already been played. So, um, but so for, as far as, uh, you know, the first three games go, you know, Chris, what have you thought of the team so far? I thought the team is, I think they're playing really, really well. I think they got to establish themselves a little bit more uh, offensively. I know Book Knight is the guy, but every team is going to concentrate on Book Knight. You can see most teams are playing zone against us because they want other people to shoot the ball. So we need somebody else that can establish themselves out there and uh, other than Book Knight to score. But uh, I, I, once we get that, I think they're going to be really, really good. Defensively, I think they, they, they play hard, they're long, they're, they're scrappy, and uh, that's what you need because the Big East is really, really tough. They got a lot of teams that are scrappy, that play hard, and you need to match that type of intensity. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, well, hopefully they uh, play well against NC State so that we don't yeah. sound foolish <laughs> to the <laughs> listeners. Um, nice, nice. So a couple, yeah. So a couple more thoughts on the uh, the St. John's game uh, yeah. back, uh, you know, back in your day. Um, I was amazed and pleasantly surprised to discover that Mike Gorman, the longtime voice of the Boston Celtics, commentated yeah. this game. Which was really, which was really fun because I've, I mean, I've listened to that guy, you know, call yeah. about a thousand Celtics games in my life. So listening, watching your game was like, oh, hey, this is, you know, it's like comfortable, I guess, you know, just like, oh, I, I know this voice, I know, I know all of his, his whole deal. He's fantastic. Um, something that happened, the start of the broadcast, I wrote it down and then I had to cross it out. He kept on pronouncing it Gampel Pavilion. Gampel Pavilion. And then, like, right at tip-off, a producer must have gotten into his ear because on the broadcast, he just goes, oh, hey, by the way, I'm told it's actually pronounced Gampel Pavilion, so sorry about that. I, like, fell out of my chair. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this, I was, that's fantastic. Um, the uh, The ceremony you guys had at the beginning was kind of cool. Uh, you know, the, the governor was down there. They had some, yeah. like, ceremonial first uh, tip, which St. John's yeah. graciously let you guys win, which was which was nice. Um yeah. And uh, something that they pointed out, too, that I, I didn't realize, uh, the original Harry Gamble, uh, you know, who the, the facility is named after, apparently his family was involved in the construction of the old field house. Like, they actually, like, were, like, doing some of the steel work that put that place wow. together. So that was kind of cool. And here's so here's one more that kind of ties into the, to, to today. So John Gwynn, uh, he was a DeMatha Catholic high school guy. 
According to the broadcast, apparently he was the very first player from DeMath the Catholic to ever play in the Big East. Uh, you know, we're, wow, we're talking we're talking about one of the the greatest high school programs in the in the, the in you know the, basically the whole country. You know, and it has been for decades. Well, what school did Phil Gamble go to? I know he's from DC. Um, I don't. Well, I, I can I can look it up, but uh, I'm just I'm just reporting what was on the broadcast. So, oh, wow. e- either way, if, if that is in fact the case, that's remarkable, and it ties into something today, of course, because uh, Demetha's produced tons of Vegas players since John, obviously, yeah, yeah. one of whom will be joining UConn's roster next year. Jordan Hawkins, uh, one of the recruits from the upcoming 2021 class, is uh, to, also a Demetha grad. So. Okay. Good pipeline. That's a uh, you know good stuff there. That's a very nice pipeline. I gotta look that up because I Phil Gamble's from DC that played with us, and also Willie McLeod uh, is from DC as well. And I thought Phil came from Demathe, but I looked that up. I'll make sure on that as well. So I got I just googled. So it looks like Phil Gamble went to Jefferson Junior High School. Jefferson Junior. Okay. And uh, and so who who was the other guy you just said just Willie now? Willie McLeod is from I think DC as well. McLeod. McLeod. Um, uh, I'll I'll have to I'll have to look into that one a bit more. But either way, um, yeah, just a fun fact that kind of caught my eye. So um, yeah. So the um, obviously great game. A couple guys stood out. So uh, we're gonna bring back an old favorite, the top dog. Who's the top dog? Uh, who won this game for you guys in 1990? The St. John's game. Yes. pretty well. I think John Quinn coming in the game uh, really changed some things. Uh, like you said, uh, even that this rule of 13 points, 10 rebounds. You know, that's a double-double. So you can even uh, you, you can even say that, uh, you know, Dennis Rulick was uh, definitely the top dog that day. Yeah, no, definitely. I Well, those are the three names I wrote down, and I, I appreciate the I appreciate your nominating yourself. That's uh, fantastic, <laughs> and I it well and well deserved. You were the team's leading scorer that day, and you know the ending the first half with one of Gamble's first big like you know oh my god moments for you know for sure pretty good stuff. John Gwynn, I think was the player of the game on the broadcast, and uh, I think if you his his biggest plays came like kind of they won they won the game. So you know shout out to John, shout out to Dan. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time. I, I really appreciate your your uh, you know your insight as a former player and everything. Do you uh, so I just one more quick thing while I have you. Um, since we last talked, you, your um, uh, wear your mask shirt thing, you know, kind of picked up some steam. How would that go? And kind of how how did things work out with that? It's still going. It's still going. It's going well. It's wear your mask. The number thirteen dot com. Uh, you can get the uh, t shirts and the mask. And uh, partial proceeds are going to the uh, food chair. And uh, you know, right now, this is a really crucial time. Uh, a lot of people are getting sick uh, in the United States. And, uh, you know, just wearing your mask can really help uh, yourself and others from not getting sick. So it's going really well. And I'm really, you know, excited about the initiative. No, absolutely. It's great stuff. And I uh, hope it continues to go well. For everybody out there, obviously, it's, uh, you know, we got Christmas coming up. It's a time of need. So hopefully, it'll, you know, we can help support everybody by doing our part to stay safe and, you know, obviously doing what we can to, you know, help stock the food pantries and, you know, any yeah, other community. Yeah, food needs you. Yeah. yeah. Food share needs you. Uh, as many food as we can get, uh, donations or whatever. I mean, uh, the lines are getting longer. Uh, when I was there uh, helping out, it was over 2,000 cars, from my understanding. It's almost double that now. So, uh, yeah, definitely there's a need. No, definitely. So, 
uh, everybody out there. You guys do your part. And uh, yeah, as far as, um, you know, UConn basketball goes, hopefully we got great, great times ahead. So anyway, Chris, thank you again. And all of you guys, thank you so much for listening. You guys know the drill. You follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. DMs are open. You can hit me up at uh, yesuconnpodcast at gmail.com. And um, yeah, just, uh, you know, you know the drill, uh, you know, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts help us in the search uh, results. And you guys have been crushing it with that. So thank you guys all. And I will uh, talk to you later and um, we'll uh, catch up uh, next week. Bye.